is on Netflix, what is good, what is on Netflix as we speak. What is good, what is on Netflix, what is good, what is on Netflix as we speak. Hello fellow Wigglyonians and welcome to episode 26 of What is Good, What is on Netflix as we speak or Wigglyonars for short. My name is Max Cobbley and every month I talk TV with my good friend Michael Laycock, including, but not restricted to, things that are good, things that are on Netflix and things that are on as we speak. We're shaking things up for 2020 and we've got a slightly different approach to how we're going to be doing a podcast going forward. But before any of that stuff, it's time to say hello to Michael. Hello Michael. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm alright actually. How are you doing, Max? How was lunch? Uh, yeah, I was good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very sleepy now. Been out for a big lunch. Where did you go? Uh, we went to a lovely place called the Peacock at Barlow. Very nice Sunday lunch. One of the best ones I've had in recent memory, definitely. Um, and I had two pints with it, and that's that's the killer combination. Two pints and a big lunch is sleepy time, really. Yeah, yeah. Was were you sleepy yesterday? Uh, not yesterday, last week when that happened. Uh, yes, I was. I in fact, I, yeah, I had a three-hour nap after we went out for lunch last week, and then I felt awful for the rest of the day. Excellent. Yep, that's how it goes. And what better way? What better thing to do than to podcast for, for an <laughs> yeah. inordinate amount of time? It will really spark me and wake me up, I'm sure. So uh, let's just uh, before we get into anything, Mike, let's uh, talk a little bit about how we're going to change the format. So. Um, what we're going to be doing going forward, uh, I think, is to be releasing shorter shows, but more often, I should probably say twice as often, but I'm hesitant to commit to any kind of timeline. Um, but the idea was that we were going to split our content into a spoiler-free podcast and then a spoiler-tastic podcast. So basically, if you were ever not sure about um whether or not we might give something away or you were interested in a tv show but didn't want to listen in case we um had a spoiler on it uh we're going to have um today's episode will be spoiler free where we talk about some of the things we are watching or have recently finished and we won't go into any plot details beyond basic setup on those and then what we'll release probably in a couple of weeks or so is a, a discussion of some of the things that we have finished where we're going to be going into some uh, spoiler details on things that happened and discussing plot points and how well uh, things may or may not have pulled off the effects that they were going for. So, um, yeah, hopefully that will make it a bit easier for people listening at home to work out whether or not it's safe to listen to something. I know personally I sometimes shy away from TV podcasts because they do give things away without much warning and I'm never entirely sure going in whether or not whether it's safe to listen to a conversation about a show on a podcast so hopefully this will get around that a little bit uh, going forward so we're going to start then um, with some quick blasts through some things that Michael and I have been watching since um, well since Christmas really I guess which is when we were last here with our best of the year uh, so Mike you looks like you've got something to kick us off here do you want to do you want to get going uh, yes, I am about an episode and a half um, shy of finishing uh, Cobra, the much-vaunted uh, Sky One uh, drama to kick off the new year. Um, it's uh, created by uh, Ben Richards and has a pretty all-star cast. So Robert Carlyle, Victoria Hamilton, Richard Dormer, David Haig, amongst others. Um, and it is awful. <laughs> Who, um, okay, good. What? Uh, it looked awful, so I haven't watched it, and then I heard people say it was awful, and then I double didn't watch it, so uh, um, I'm glad that it seemed the, like the right choice. Um, I watched the trailer, and initially the very short teaser trailer that, that um, they flashed on, it looked, it looked relatively interesting. Um, then I saw loads of stuff to say from people saying it was awful, and I thought, well, it's going to be awful, so I best just get it watched. And yeah, it, it 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 is it's it's terrible. It so at, genu- at, no, at no point then. Sorry. I was just at no point then did you think, oh, it's supposed to be awful. I'll just not watch it then. It became a it's supposed to be awful. Therefore, I must prioritise watching it to get it out of the way. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I was just taking up room on the skybox, so I might as well watch it. Yeah, gonna yeah. keep it clean and tidy. I mean, it 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 
it's just a, a big hot mess. It doesn't know what it wants to be. Is it some sort of a, you know, a sort of disaster crisis, um, you know, drama? Is it some sort of political thriller with like, you know, backstabbing or, or kind of, you know, um, kind of a personal crises that could bring down the government? Is it some sort of discourse on like the, you know, the, the, the kind of the current political agenda with the Westminster elite and the, than you know the kind of isolated you know towns or in the north are you know riling against it. Is it a discourse on kind of society post Brexit? It tries to do everything and does none of it in in any in any way. And it really yeah it's just a a, a big hot mess. I would steer very clear of it. I note that um, it has a second series. Um, and I think because I think Sky's just pumped a load of money into it, and it, they couldn't tell the story in six episodes anyway. But um, yeah, I can't understand why anyone would ever watch the second series of it. Who who is Ben Richards? Why why would I know who he is? Has he got a pedigree in anything good? Um, known for uh, he's he's written a few a few series. Mainly on sort of Sky, the 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 tunnel. So that's the British version of the the bridge. Oh yeah. Fortitude, which was on, uh, that was Sky Atlantic, I think, which was initially started quite good and then just got a bit weird. Spooks he did. Uh, okay, yeah, it seemed quite spooksy actually from the very little bit I saw about it. Not obviously it's sub, not subject matter wise, but just in its like uh, sort of approach style all that kind of thing so uh okay well i'll, I'll stay i'll i will continue to not watch that then um and it sounds like a good idea <laughs> uh something i have been watching in taking up my time instead of uh cobra is the outsider which is available on sky atlantic uh now it's an hbo adaptation of a stephen king novel a pretty recent one i think um it is stars it's got a really good cast ben mendelson uh, Mayor Winningham, Julianne Nicholson, Cynthia Erivo, uh, Bill Camp, Jason Bateman's in there a little bit, Paddy Considine, plenty of uh, plenty of good actors in there. Um, and it tells the story of the murder of a child um, in the first episode. Um, all the evidence points to one person being the perpetrator, and yet there is a stack of very convincing evidence that that person was in a completely different city very far away at the exact same time of the murder so it starts off as a very sort of intriguing premise of what well, how could one person be in two places at the same time and then it just sort of all unravels from there in a fairly classic Stephen King style um, but I am really enjoying it it's coming out one episode a week and it's sort of killing me a little bit I'm about uh, five or six episodes into it now um, but it is um, it's very gripping. Uh, would you say it's uh, it, is it more of sort of the crime thriller, or has it kind of diverged into like a sort of a supernatural, um, you know, well, kind of horrory type? Because I suppose you always assume uh, you're, you traditionally associate Stephen King with a, a sort of a horror element. Well, I, I won't answer that question because that's sort of quite fundamental to it, certainly in its early goings on, is is the sort of the question of what actually is happening. Is it supernatural or is it mundane um, in some way? And it, it's very much filmed as a horror, regardless of whether it's supernatural or not. It's got a very sort of cold palette. It's very quiet, some classic sort of it's not scary, but it's it's very tense and quite menacing in its in its atmosphere. Um but yeah, that th- that's sort of a, a central question early on about, about what's actually happening with it. Uh, I'm not entirely sure it's hundred percent resolved even now halfway through, so it's still a little bit of an open question about what's actually happening. So um how yeah. how does how does the tone fit relative to say something like a like a true detective um actually it's sort of you know true detective i haven't seen the latest series and i don't really remember the second series but i have seen the first series twice and it's actually not a million miles away in tone to the first series it's less philosophical than um than true detective but there was there was a 
I think quite a bit of a horror element to that first series of True Detective as well, like bubbling under, and it's more overt in The Outsider than it was in True Detective, but it does have a kind of feeling of um, of isolation and I think a little bit of paranoia and suspicion that run through that first series of True Detective. So, yeah, it isn't a million miles away from that. Uh, the third series of True Detective is back to the similar sort of feel and arc of the, the first, so... I think it's probably got that. I suppose it's kind of like a, 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 a not mysterious, but I can't quite quite think of the word. But it's that kind of chilling. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got it. I think it's back on Sky Atlantic, isn't it? I think um, True Detective. So I'll, I'll, I have been meaning to catch up with that series that I've not watched yet of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, The Outsider is definitely one. I think it's going to stick around on. Um, Oh, I've got Now TV, so we'll stick around on there, I think, till probably about April time, I would guess. So there is some time to catch up with it. Uh, I'm not sure about for normal, uh, full-paying Sky viewers, whether or not that's any different. But, yeah, you've got a bit of time to catch up with it, and I would recommend giving it a go. It's very effectively made, and um, I'm enjoying it a lot. I, I have it recording, and we'll probably try and watch it once it's all done. Hmm. So next is, um, I suppose, another uh, HBO production, but not shown on Sky Atlantic or Sky, the new Sky Comedy channel, but um, is, uh, I suppose, much vaunted and heralded show is Avenue 5 um, and Amanda Anucci's sort of latest creation. Um, it's, I think, about three or four episodes in already, and um, it is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's a real step away from the more satirical stuff that Amanda Anucci's created in the past. Um, so, so the thick of it or Veep or, or, or kind of things like day to day. And even relative to the sort of Partridge. Um, and it's just a, a real sort of um, hoot on um, in, in space, really. Were you, were you surprised by the lack of uh, satire on it? Because I sort of start when I started off watching it, and I, I'm up to date with it as well. I was like, oh, it'd be interesting to see how Armando Vinucci can turn this sort of like sci-fi space cruise gone wrong sitcom into a satirical look at modern society. But I mean, there are, there are some mild satirical elements in there, but it is fairly mild. It doesn't seem to be going in that direction. So, did that surprise you at all? Or um, yes. But it surprised me in a very pleasant way, and I just, I, I to be honest, it, it, it was more the, the, it was the, the reams of gags that sort of littered the first episode. It was a real sort of, you know, sharp, punchy, sort of, um, kind of, kind of rapid fire of, of jokes. It's got um, some, it's got some incredibly clever one-liners in there all the way through. It's, you know, you can tell it's written by funny, clever people. Yeah, and it's it's a, a a writing team that have worked together now for a very long time, so that I think they have just a very a, a real sharpness together. Um, and it, it's a really strong cast. It's a really good mix of you know some of the um, the, the kind of the classic uh, Amanda Anucci um, kind of actors, a mix of British and American across um, across there as well. Um, you know, just just um, a, a real, real top draw kind of cast, and, and a really kind of fun and different story. There's, there's think, probably uh, a lack of uh, comedies, space-based comedies. Lots <laughs> of lack of space-based, yeah, definitely. There's definitely. What was that Nick Frost one? I never even watched it. It's got Hyperdrive or something like that. Yep, Hyperdrive, Red Dwarf. Yeah. There's not many. No. But um, yeah, the real standout for me through so far has been uh, Hugh Laurie, just absolutely killing it. I think in that lead role, there's sort of level of he can switch from like the charming to the completely exasperated and panicked, like at the at the drop of a hat, and it, it just works so well in there. He's um, a master of his craft, I think, at this point. I think as well, um, Zach Woods um, is just has a. Um, he has a role where he pretty much has license to do whatever he wants, um, <laughs> but still delivering it in that very much in that Zach Woods sort of style and tone where you don't quite know if he's if he means it or not, whether it's earnest or not. Yeah, I mean it's it's just nice to have him, you know, still have him on screens after Silicon Valley's gone gone down. That he's still he's still there. 
so that's a reassuring presence <laughs> so avenue five is a good one i i actually the next one i want to talk about is something i only started watching yesterday and i've nearly finished already i mean i've watched eight episodes in well less than 24 hours that's lock and key which is the um the new sort of i mean mm, i guess it's a fantasy like a sort of modern urban fantasy um which is on netflix it's about three kids and their mother who move from seattle across the country to massachusetts to their uh, recently deceased father's ancestral family home uh, and then they find that there's all sorts of mystical magical strange shenanigans going on back at home and they get drawn into this sort of like um uh, web of intrigue uh with that one and it's uh based on a graphic novel from uh joe hill and gabriel rodriguez not one i'd heard of but i think it is a pretty well-known one um and i'm not sort of it has a bit of a i guess it probably is a young adult as they would call it nowadays series in the sense that the the main characters are three children between the ages, I think, of about 10 and 17 or so they're supposed to be. But um, it doesn't sort of pull any punches in terms of how it delivers. It's a 15 and it uh, it goes to some reasonably dark areas. But um, I just found it absolutely just thoroughly enjoyable. I mean, again, I don't watch eight hour long episodes of something in 24 hours unless I'm really sort of into it. Uh, it's not a challenging watch in any way, and I, some, sometimes I think that's a good thing. A lot of TV at the moment is challenging me, and I find it quite um, hard to get through. And it's nice to have something like this that just sort of whips you up in a story and um, goes along, um, keeping you engaged, keeping the twists coming and the and the plot changing at all times. And you know, I'm just just enjoying it a lot. And um, I suppose, kind of, how, how have you felt it stacks up against? I suppose, at the end of the year review, we spoke about. Um, a bit of a sort of a renaissance on the graphic novel um, um, kind of productions, but maybe picking things that were a little bit less obvious. So um, the Umbrella Academy and the Boys were, were two kind of shows that we enjoyed last year. So kind of how does it stack up against that? And then I suppose secondly, in terms of the supernatural horror element, where does it kind of fall on that sort of genre? Is it kind of very much towards the horror end of things or is it kind of a bit more to sort of the supernaturally um, or, or or somewhere in between? Yeah, so um, on the first question, it's it's very different to the boys in the Umbrella Academy, obviously, because it, it doesn't share a subject matter with those. There's no superheroes here or anything like that. But um, what it is more like is films like the Spiderwick Chronicles or the Bridge to Terabithia or things like that and any time where um, you know you get kids having a sort of magical adventure in a creepy old house kind of thing but what the graphic novel I think element of it lends that those things don't have is those are films for children family adventures this is more adult than that the world is deeper and more developed there's all kinds of questions about the questionable um, and dark history of the house and the people who lived there and the things that went on so it has more bite than you would expect from a lot of those sort of family films but it is essentially a, a family adventure series in terms of horror it's not it doesn't really have horror elements to it or at least not thus far there there are some sort of there are definitely dangerous what, what, what would they call it in the censorship world peril there are moments there are definitely moments of peril but it's not particularly going for a horror thing so much as it's going for a uh, supernatural magical angle i would say and what about the cast because often when it, you've got sort of um younger actors particularly as the key lead roles um, they can either take time to gel or um or, or kind of take time to get up to speed so how 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 are they within the sort of the casting and then also sort of delivering the, the narrative no, I'd say they're, they're all actually um, pretty good. So of the main three kids, two of them, um, Tyler and Kinsey, are played by Connor Jessup and Amelia Jones, who are both, I think they're like 18 and 21 in real life or something like that. So they're not really child actors, although they're playing younger than that. I think they're playing 15 and 17. Um, but Jackson Robert Scott plays the youngest. I, I, if they say how old he is, I missed it. He's 10 or 11, I think. But he is actually really good. You know, he could be quite a weak point if he wasn't up to scratch because he's a main character in it but no I mean um, in general the cast is good there isn't particularly anybody I've heard of in it um, no big names 
Darby Stanchfield plays the mother who I have seen from IMDb has been in some things like Scandal and Mad Men and things like that, but nothing I've seen. Uh, but no, it's definitely not one of those where um, you enjoy it, but you have to put up with the odd moment of dodgy acting from the kids. It's um, it's it's well made and well performed. But so uh, anyway, that's Lock and Key, which is available now on Netflix. Uh, I recommend giving that a try. It's a good sort of weekend film. Get in, get some get some magic back in your life, a bit of weekend adventure. Um, what about you, Michael? Have you been watching anything with an element of weekend adventure to it? Um, not well. I, I have, which I'll come on. That to wasn't later. that wasn't supposed to be a segue, by the way. I'm not looking at the show notes. I can't see what's next. All right. Okay. Um, um, but I think. One of the things I wanted to talk about is the the return of um, Kirby Enthusiasm, which I think is now for Series 11. Um, and I was at a real crossroads on this one. Um, they, you know, they brought it back um, after a fairly long hiatus. Um, and last series I thought was absolute uh, rubbish. It was just it was just a real slog for me to watch it. It felt tired and it felt um, just just very very samey. You know, it just didn't feel that it, the show had evolved um, in any way, shape, or form. Um, so I was kind of a bit stuck in two minds whether to start the new series. Um, I think it's four episodes, three or four episodes in. Um, and actually, I'm 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 pleased that I have. It's it's returning back to form. I still don't think it has the um, the originality that it did when it first came out, um, and I think now you can the areas where you used to feel it, it was very um, kind of off the cuff um, and very uh, uh, improvised. It did feel it, you know you can kind of, kind of see those things coming off quite uh, quite way off, but. Um, the jokes are a lot sharper and, and very, very enjoyable. And uh, you know, I'm pleased I kind of stuck with it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably not a surprise that it's starting to feel a little bit tired around the edges, isn't it? Because even with that break, you know, it's been it's been rolling on for 20 years or so now, isn't it? 21 years, something like that. Um, and um, I personally, my experience with Kirby Enthusiasm is a bit backwards. I hadn't watched it until last year because my partner watches it. And so the first experience I had of it was last series, um, season nine. And I, I actually really enjoyed that. Um, and since then, uh, because it's all just come on Sky Comedy, this new channel now, she's been watching her way back through it. And I've been coming in and out of it. And so I've been seeing bits and pieces, I think, for about five seasons now we've gone through it. And, um, yeah, it, it's something that took me a really long time to warm up to, actually. Um, when I first watched it, I was just like, not, you know, not taken with it at all but it's um it's something i've really really come to enjoy the more i've been exposed to it i think having an understanding of the the main character is quite key to to getting the humor of it really because at first he just kind of seems like a complete arsehole and then like he's, he is a complete arsehole but he's a bit more nuanced than that and until you get that nuance i think or at least for me uh, it left me a bit cold on it but um i haven't actually seen any of the new series yet uh, she watched it all without me so she's going to find some time to watch it now at this point um, but yeah it's interesting that you thought that the last series was not that good because obviously I'm not best placed to particularly pick up on that with that being the, my first experience of it I, I, I ju- it just felt quite tired I think there was I think there was a few things there was the big expectation of it coming back you know after such a such a long break and it just felt like there was no real need to um it didn't add anything i felt almost as if you missed that the last series and you kind of started now there's particularly the some of the jokes through the start of the first uh the first couple of episodes um you know are quite relevant um and 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 it's kind of like it feels like it's picked up the satire a lot better um of of the moment um whereas i think the the last the last series just sort of didn't really know what it was doing it kind of just it just felt it was retreading the old jokes i yeah i I do think it it has got itself into a cycle and and i think you you could say this of any any comedy series that is you know probably sort of seven plus series um uh, you know that actually there's a 
there's a limit to kind of how far you can really take the characters um and and in order to keep the jokes coming through and rolling through at a pace you probably need to sort of limit that a bit but um but i am i am pleased i've that i've started it again and it is a it's a good watch and it's well worth worth watching I think one of the things that you say there that I think might actually aid Curb in its longevity is that um, everything in it is so minor, you know, like entire episodes are just based around um, Larry refusing to be polite about something when society says it should be polite or somebody monitoring his bathroom habits or something like that, you know, and it's it's so such small scale stuff that it doesn't really where something with a bigger scope or trying to have a bolder narrative might run itself into the ground in that sort of sense curb at least can carry on with that way the the world is full of almost infinite tiny little stupid moments of human to human relations that they apparently are good enough to mo- to build an episode out of really um so it definitely has that in its favor i think as long as the writing remains on point for it but i do think there's a there's a limit to kind of how the the setup to those events can get a bit repetitive so always you know there's a friend you know there's a friend of a friend who he doesn't really like and he's you know but he's he's rude to them or and they realize it so he has to make amends or or you know that you know he he has a, a a kind of an unfortunate accident or bumps into someone's car or you know the the sort of the tread and the patter of those those setups can can get a uh, can get predictable i think is 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 the way i would describe it so there's an infinite number of those possibilities um but the, the, i i sometimes i feel that the scope to move through them or, or to get to them is kind of is either very obvious or you kind of like oh right i you know he's met this person he said this thing i know what's going to happen now mm. which can often happen in, in it but I think the what's always been the beauty of Curb is they've managed to keep the the sharpness around the writing. I thought the the the, pre, the previous series I, I felt it got a bit sloppy in terms of that, in terms of the setup. Um, you know, and you know, let's hope the newer series is um, or the new series is it, it remains fresh. I do think we're slightly limited, and I do think bringing it back after such a long hiatus was in the long run going to be seen as a mistake i think it might slightly tarnish the legacy of curb mm. um but it you know larry david is still a fantastic uh, joke writer uh, and he's a, a probably a very underrated comedic actor as well so something else that i've been watching on sky's new comedy channel uh, is the Righteous Gemstones, which I think started uh, last week or maybe 10 days ago, something like that. So that's a new series from uh, Danny McBride collaborating with some of his usual types, Jody Hill and um, David Gordon Green, those sorts, uh, which is about a, a world-famous televangelist family and just sort of follows their um, misadventures. Uh, needless to say, uh, they are uh, a collection of fairly sort of spoiled and insular um selfish folks um so it's you get the classic sort of uh, dichotomy of the um uh of the ostensibly pure and religious and then the corrupt behind the scenes but um it is uh, a comedy it's got a bit more of a sort of narrative edge than um some of uh, danny mcbride's uh, previous stuff so these are the same people that did these bound and down and um vice principles and it's, it's trying to go for something a little bit more darker and a little bit more serious than what well, actually i say darker might not be the word those are both pretty dark series but uh, maybe a bit more of a dramatic edge to it than uh, we've seen before from him yeah it's an interesting one um i i, I mean i saw it i nearly missed it um and then i was lucky because everything that's currently on sky um sky comedy is available um to, to to download so i'd kind of missed recording the first episode and then managed to, to take everything after that and I'll probably kind of try and consume it fairly quickly but um oh you're gonna hate it it's got variable episode lengths like the uh, first episode is like an hour and then it's 25 minutes for a while then it's 40 minutes and it's back to 25 minutes an hour at the end you, you've got no chance with it it's gonna drive you up the God wall damn it but it's Furious. Uh, <laughs> furious i'm already i'll still watch it um yeah it's got 
I like the pedigree um, that it that it comes from, and I think Vice Principals is is a massively underrated show. Um, Absolutely, um, I love Vice Principals so much. It was a it was a shame that we only got two seasons of that because I thought like Walton Goggins, who was in this as well, was like a, an absolute comedic revelation in Vice Principals. I'd only ever seen him play like proper serious, intense brooding hard men before and then he was just he was just wonderful in vice principles and he's great in this as well um along i mean the rest of the cast good too john goodman's in there along with daniel mcbride himself adam divine edie patterson who was also in vice principles um and skylar gizondo who i really like from um santa clarita diet is in it as well uh he's not a good comedic actor so uh they've got a good cast in there as well but yeah as you say it comes from a definitely a good pedigree of comedy that i've enjoyed before so I mean, how do you do? You feel it's do you feel it's as strong as those um, those other shows? I think so. I'm five episodes in, so it's a bit early to judge completely. I think the first series is only nine episodes, something like that. Um, but uh, it's difficult because because it's trying to do something slightly different. It isn't as funny as Vice Principles or Eastbound and Down, but um, it's it's more dramatically impactful now. I mean, what one of the most recent episodes that I watched was like a, a flashback episode, seeing John Goodman's character when he was younger and some of the things that he went through there. And there wasn't really any comedy in that. That was more of like a sort of quite a um, touching character study. So it shows like a maturity in, in, in its writing and, and its production uh, that those other shows don't lack. So it's it's actually quite difficult to do a direct comparison. It can be very funny when it wants to be, but it is definitely um, trying to sort of expand its boundaries a bit. But I think like if you go into it thinking, oh, it's the new it's the new series from the guys that he's batting down vice principles, you might be caught a little bit off guard by it. Okay, well that's good to know. Um, so slightly harder hitting, and slight slightly more slightly darker than than we than you'd originally um, expect. Something that is equally uh, hard hitting and dark um, and menacing is uh, I think the, the show that I'm going to describe as my TV delight of the year already I, you know, One we're, we're, in. we're weeks in and I'm, I'm putting it out there and that's uh, the sixth series of portrait artist of the year on Sky Arts and the dangerous lunatic I just absolutely love it it's just brilliant it's just such a wonderful lovely show to watch um so it's just, just, just set, set set me up here right because i'm imagining that this is basically master chef but for portrait artists and w- would that be right um i'm gonna be very disappointed yes. if it's not a bake-off but with drawing well it's 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 kind of a combination of um master chef the professionals and master chef um but for artists so and they have nine artists, some amateur, some are professional, um, and they come together and then they 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 paint three celebrities. They have four hours, so they submit a um, a self portrait, and then then the the selected um, in the heats then paint a celebrity, um, uh, with the winner of each heat going through to the sort of the semi finals, and then uh, and then. Obviously, the the final, the winner gets to uh, it's a ten thousand pound commission to paint Nile Rogers. Who's the, who's oh from the One Direction? <laughs> is that who that is? He's called uh, Nile. <laughs> no, like from like like Chic and all of the other. Oh uh, no! Yeah, okay, okay. Nile like that, not like Irish Very Nile. Nile. <laughs> um, I was like, what's, what's One Direction got to do with this? Exactly. Confused. Um, it's presented by uh, Stephen, Stephen Mannion and Joan Bakewell, um, and then there's there's kind of three three judges, um, and it, it it's just really soft and it's gentle. But the other beautiful thing about the show is, unlike so many of these sort of competitions like MasterChef and the Bake Off and things like that, they've all become so ultra competitive, and there's so many challenges to try and trip people up. I like that. I always think they're too... Oh, no, are you saying that they're all friends on this? I thought you were saying they were ultra-competitive on this. 
No, no. I think the nice thing about it is, is there's there's a single there's kind of a single challenge which you all have to do, but it's over a period of time. And, and the nice thing is that art evolves over time. So kind of as you see the bits over the days, you see the pictures changing and them, um, uh, uh, yeah, and them kind of developing. And it's kind of and that's it kind of evolves and it fits nicely with rather than that. Oh, you've got kind of two hours. You've got four hours. You've got two hours. You've got five minutes type thing. That pressure and it's you know heavily edited, so it it feels even worse than it is, and everyone's kind of going mental and throwing stuff on the floor and and that. This is just as like a nice gentle pace, and then and then you and then you can kind of appreciate all of the various types of art, and you can choose. And sometimes you pick the same that ones that the the judges pick, and you pick sometimes you pick other things that you you'd have liked to win but it's just a really nice sort of setting and they have three celebrities that sit for them and you kind of get like little interviews from them through the day and um yeah it's, it's just it's just really nice just engaging tv it's not challenging it's just it's not um kind of you know nasty or horrible it's just a bit of just really nice gentle just warming and engaging and it, and it makes you kind of like appreciate sort of you know you know people with a lot of skill and talent doing things in very very different ways so speaking of engaging television uh, mm. I, I have been watching the new series of uh, Picard or I guess the first series of Picard um it's engaging do you get it it's a yeah. Star Trek it's yeah. a Star Trek joke uh good I just I thought it's good that I'll make sure that everyone understands that that's a joke. Oh, uh, I, was, I was trying to find the, um, the 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 laughing emoji that I could send you via chat so uh, that I got it. Yeah, we know. It's better if we say it out loud so all the listeners know that, that I was joking as well. Um, so that is available to us in the UK on Amazon Prime. It's a CBS series. Um, and it stars, obviously, Patrick Stewart. There's no way you do this without Patrick Stewart. Um, and Alison Pill, uh, Isa Brionas, Harry Treadway, Michelle Hurd, a few other people, some old uh, faces from previous Star Treks as well, though I won't go into who. Um, and it would basically pick up, I think it's 20 years or 12 years, I can't remember. It's a number with a two in it, after the events of uh, Star Trek Nemesis, which I have seen and don't remember at all. Um, but, you know, it doesn't particularly matter. It catches you up on everything you need to know quite early on. Um, Jean-Luc is in his chateau in France um, and uh, being helped out by some Romulan chums who live there with him now uh, when he kind of gets sucked into a bit of a I guess it would be a conspiracy thriller would be the best way to actually sort of describe what's going on in Picard um, and to, is it good um, I'm like kind of torn on this one I'm enjoying it I'm only four episodes in it's lagging in places. It seems a bit baggy around the edges. Like I, I'm feeling like they perhaps didn't have enough plot to maybe get this out to the full ten episodes or what it's supposed to be. But overall, it is um, it is entertaining, but it does not feel like Star Trek. And I had this problem with Discovery as well. Everybody in Discovery was kind of like mean, and the Federation was pretty nasty. And they were all just at war all the time and killing each other. And I'm like, this is this doesn't really feel like Star Trek. And then this has the double problem, obviously, of having Picard, who the next generation is for a lot of people, me included, like the quintessential Star Trek. And the version of the future that it presents is not the version of the future that you get in Picard, particularly. Um, it's difficult to go into without going into any spoilers of it, but suffice it to say that the um the world is not the same world that was presented in the next generation and they are not just failing to to sort of realize that that's what was happening in the next generation they're sort of trying to explain it away and stuff but it just for me it loses something that's quintessentially star trek when you take that away is is the issue that it's not all in space on a spaceship yeah that's it that's what i mean that's quintessentially Star Trek. That is what I mean, basically. Yeah, it's not on the Enterprise, and therefore I cannot get on board with it. Um, um, yeah. Is, is is Will Riker in it? I'm not telling you. He may or may not be. Okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that he is not in the regular cast. Mm. But no, I mean, I, I think actually, to be honest, one of the things I am getting quite the most joy out of is a absolutely 
shameless nostalgia trip of just seeing various and sundry faces from other Star Treks when they turn up. So I'm I'm not gonna spoil anybody who is is or isn't in it, but um, it's uh, there are quite a few of them that that are in the trailer. If you've uh, if you've not seen the trailer, then that I I haven't seen the trailer and I don't know what isn't what isn't given away. So I'll I'll say nothing. But um, yeah, I mean, I would say if you're a Star Trek fan, uh, you should absolutely watch it. But just prepare yourself that it is probably not the Star Trek that you remember. Is there anything it's kind of closer to than if it's not sort of Star Trek? What's it? What do you feel it's like? Is it trying to be like some anything else? Well, I mean, it sort of feels like the like the a bit more like the modern Star Trek films or the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films, um, which. To my mind, you know, the, the focus is much more in them on sort of like action and and whiz bang and excitement and there's something philosophical, uh, philosophical, philosophical, philosophical about the uh, original next generation that is, that is absent, like from this and and from those. Um, so no, I mean it's difficult to sort of come. At, Maybe something will come to me <laughs> at some point, but it is difficult to compare but, um, to anything else. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to keep watching it. Like I said, it's um, it's very watchable TV, but it's just, you know, there's a bit now, and this is a very, very mild spoiler, a character turns up in the third episode who refers to Captain Picard, which is, to my mind, the only way he should be referred to, or Admiral Picard, and refers to him as JL. Spends, well, two episodes so far calling him JL. I'm not yeah, on board with this. But he's, he's a civilian now, surely. I don't care. I, I, I mean, I would, I think if you were going to, if, I, he would, he would still probably start off by Mr. Picard, and then John Luke if you knew him well. I'm fine with, with Jean-Luc. He's a civilian. You call him Jean-Luc, but the man has too much dignity to be JL. This is unacceptable to me. Confounding. Anyway, so, you know, I, I'm, I'll, I'll report back in full when I've watched the whole thing because, uh, as always, with a lot of these sort of conspiracy thriller plots, it, a lot of it's going to depend on where it goes, how well it pulls it off, how stupid it gets before it gets to the end. So, you know, we'll see. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Well, I, I suppose just to wrap, wrap up kind of the sort of things that we've been watching, um, I, and I think this sort of ties into your kind of lock and key um, description, is I, uh, yeah, yesterday we started The, the Stranger um, mm-hmm. on Netflix, which is... Uh, uh, a Netflix original production, but it's a UK-based um, drama, which you know, obviously feels feels a little bit more unusual. They, d- they don't do too many of those, um, and it's based on a, um, a on a book by I think it's Harlan. Co- um, it is Harlan Coben, yeah. Yeah, um, and it, the, the the premise is fairly simple. Um, there is uh, a character called the stranger who turns up at the start of the first episode and divulges a secret to, to one of the main members of cast um, and then she's through all of the every episode she uh, appears to be uh, providing um, a different individual with with another secret or sharing something that they didn't know um, and um it's got um, yeah, a pretty decent cast: Richard Armitage, Sean Dooley, Siobhan Finneran, Philosophical. Yeah, <laughs> Anthony Head, Paul Kay, um, to to name a, a few individuals. Uh, Stephen Ree, who I generally find incredibly engaging and enjoyable in pretty much everything that I see him in. Is it related uh, to Philip Ree from Best of the Best? Um, I don't, but I don't believe he is. That's disappointing. Um, but uh, they are both, they are equally um, uh, kind of acting heavyweights. So oh, yeah, <laughs> paragons um, of their order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, so, um, oh, go ahead. So I, I was just going to say it. It has a real polish and sheen to it that you would traditionally see on a US TV series. So it's this very much Netflix sort of, you know, it looks really great. People have these lovely big houses and, you know, everyone's kind of pretty well off, even though they don't necessarily do 
you know good jobs um but uh, underpinning it is a real captivating mystery um and it just makes you want to watch it as you as you go through it you can tell that it's based uh, that it there's not a lot of depth to it so it's not i'm not going to finish watching it and go that's the greatest thing i've ever seen um but for a t if you want a tv show that just gets you hooked and wants to get and just you just want to watch and keep watching then then this is it really so is it is it the tv equivalent of empty calories no it's it's more than it's probably the tv equivalent of uh white sliced bread <laughs> that's empty calories isn't it mm. white sliced bread is like one of the worst things for you isn't it is it is it yeah if you buy if you buy that nice nice cheap supermarket white sliced bread no, I, I, I mean it's like a it's like a Warburton's th- toasty thick cut. Mm, you know, there's something yeah. there to it. It tastes it tastes pretty good, but it's not going to do you anything any good in the long run. But it, the, yeah, it it is really well done and it's really engaging. It's it's not I can't imagine it it's going to be a, you know critically acclaimed, but a lot of people will watch it and a lot of people will enjoy it, and I I'm enjoying it. It, it is really interesting it's um i suspect it's one of those shows that you get to the end and you kind of go oh is that the ending mm, it's a bit a bit disappointing <laughs> but it's it's yeah it's probably it's a bit like being on a roller coaster it's enjoyable while you're on it but you kind of you kind of forget it after that you get off and immediately throw up uh Maybe you want to go and have a sit down, but not not throw up. Okay. So uh, just before we sign off, then we'll have a quick talk about what's coming out. So uh, I've done these in ascending chronological order. So tomorrow, February the 17th, which will no doubt be like before this podcast comes out. So it will already have happened. Uh, sees the return of last week tonight. Now moved over to Sky Comedy from Sky Atlantic. So John Oliver's... Um, Satirical Topical Current Affairs show is back and uh, it's been away for about three months and I have missed it every Monday I go to check if it's back and it isn't so I'll be very happy to have that one uh, back on screens um, and the 21st of February so what would that be next Friday I think uh, Amazon is um, releasing a show called Hunters which I hadn't heard of until recently but it's got uh, quite some pedigree to it. It's uh, executive produced by Jordan Peele for Did Get Out and Us, uh, starring Al Pacino, Logan Lerman, a whole host of other people who um, you will definitely know when you see them. It appears to be based on true events about a group of Nazi hunters in 1977 New York. Um, from the look of the trailer, it has quite a sort of, uh, looks to have quite a sort of swashbuckling, caperish um, style to it. So um, I'm not entirely sure what it's aiming what we'll be aiming for in terms of a tone so it'll be interesting to see but that'll definitely be one that i'm gonna check out and uh, see how it is um what else do we have coming up february the 24th so that is uh i think a week tomorrow um we've got the fifth season of better call saul coming onto netflix so better call saul which is better than breaking bad uh it is universally decided um is coming back and i think is this going to be the last series mike have you any idea i don't know i i I kind of i stopped after the first series of this for various reasons and it's not better than breaking bad it's loads better but uh, i feel i feel like this is the last series but i don't know if i've just decided that because breaking bad was five and so therefore this would also be five because of i don't know reasons uh to be honest i think it would be a, the time frame feels about right for it to finish at this series, but I don't know. We'll we'll see where it goes. But yeah, that's something that I enjoy a lot, and something that I am very intrigued to see comes out on February the twenty seventh, which is the second series of Altered Carbon, which I am actually surprised that they've made, but they have um, replaced Joel Kinman with Anthony Mackie because when you're in a future where everybody just gets downloaded from body to body, you don't have to worry about signing people up to contracts for more than one year. Um, and where's it going? I don't know. Interesting. Remind me and the listeners, Michael, what did you think of the first series of Altered Carbon? I, I really enjoyed it. it. It was a bit all over the place, but um, it, yeah, it, 
it kind of finished and he just thought, well, they really can't be doing any more of this. Um, but they've clearly decided. Like <laughs> they've clearly decided that yeah, let's let's give it and let's give it another go. But I, I I think there's that. It's it really is that kind of that's where the intrigue is. It's like how can you take this? But the the structure of the story is such that basically you can kind of keep rebooting and rebooting because that's what happens. Yes, and the nature of the beast really, as as regards the um, the future envisaged in the first series of Altered Carbon. So yeah, I would be very intrigued by that. I might see if I've got time to rewatch the first series before that starts, just to catch myself up on what happened. Although it may or may not be relevant, but we'll see. So I think that's probably about it for the first episode of our new format. So I'm pleased to see exactly more or less the same length that we did for our old podcast, which means that we're just making twice the work for ourselves, but never mind. Um, It'll all be fine in the end. Um, So thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to get in contact with us, as always, you can tweet us at wigweonars or email wigweonars at gmail.com. That's W-I-G-W-I-O-N-A-W-S. I am aware that I think we may have disappeared off iTunes for some reason at the moment, which I will attempt to get fixed by the time this comes out. Um, I think that has been for a while. So those of you who get your um, podcast through iTunes, you may also find that our 2019 review is now available to you as I didn't actually get this sorted in time for that. Um, yeah, so I think that's probably it. If you've got any questions or anything you want us to talk about, you know, get in contact with us through either of those routes. And otherwise, we will be back in two or three weeks to have a spoiler-filled chat about some of the other things that we've actually finished watching. 